Happy 14th day of the 21-day fast, Antioch Church. Come on, somebody. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited. There's, there's, just, there's nothing for the spirit like tearing away the junk of the soul and the flesh. I was reading just just doing a little reading before I went to bed last night out of Celebration of Discipline and Richard Foster has a chapter on fasting and he said this profound statement, two things that I just wrote in my journal really stood out to me. He said, number one, he says, let it first, let fasting be done unto the Lord with our eyes singly fixed on him and let our intention herein be this and this alone to glorify our father, which is in heaven. That's actually a quote that John Foster took from John Wesley. And, uh, and then he says this, he said, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. Fasting reveals the things that control us. And, uh, you know, there's really probably no better time to, uh, to start a cleansing streams series than after a fast. And I can remember, my goodness, Apostle Bill, what was it? Probably four years ago, maybe three. And, um, it was four years ago and we were on a 21 day fast and the Lord spoke to me in my prayer closet study. And he says, it's time. It's all he said. And I knew exactly what he meant. It's, it's, it's amazing that the Lord can say something to you and not give you a ton of commentary. And you just know exactly what he's saying. And I knew that when God said it's time, he meant it's time to go get some junk cleaned up and to go call Papa Bill and, uh, and get some inner healing and get some deliverance. And I'm telling you, I've never been the same since. So if you can make cleansing streams on Wednesday nights when they're offering that, I would say jump on it and get after it. Uh, I just wanna say in terms of what David mentioned, our time of worship, you know, we've really, we've really tried to mobilize the body towards the life groups during the 21 day fast. And that's for multiple reasons. I just believe that uh, there's, no better, there's no better way to spend connecting in biblical community than fasting and praying and crying out to God with one another. And, um, but we're gonna do something corporately. And on that Saturday night, we're so, we're so thrilled that uh, Jonathan and Bonnie Swindle are actually gonna be with us that night. Then they'll be with us the next Sunday morning. And so just wanna encourage you guys, come on out. Let's end the fast together. Uh, let's, let's kind of, end with a huge swell of momentum and a bang and something I've been just gearing up my mind and telling other people that we'll, we'll be finishing the first, the first fast of 2015 together. And listen, if you've not jumped in and uh, maybe you're new today, or maybe you're still kind of feeling things out, it's not too late, man. Even if you just want to cut a meal out this week or take a day and just press in and connect to the corporate momentum that is happening in our final seven days, listen to last week's message from, uh, from Becca Greenwood. What a powerful message. What a clarifying and directional message. I've been praying into that all week long. And uh, the week before that, we gave a survey on fasting. I'm going to talk a little bit more about fasting today, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on uh, talking about hearing from God and hearing from the Lord. Uh, I believe that this is a year, every year is a time to hear from God. I believe there's a special grace, not only to hear from him, but I believe there's a special necessity to hear from him like any other time. And I also believe that when we participate with God in fasting, again, God, fasting does not change God. Fasting changes us and fasting positions us 
in that posture of humility, cutting away the, the sound, the distraction and the appetite of our flesh. And it enables us to hear more clearly. Go with me in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter four. And I'm gonna do my very best to be very quick about where I feel like the Lord wants us to go today. Matthew chapter four, and the context here is Jesus is on the eve of starting his public ministry. He's just been baptized by John the Baptist and uh, heaven's opened up and the father speaks from heaven. He says, this is my son whom I love and in him I am well pleased. Immediately the spirit of God drives Jesus into the wilderness or into the desert. And uh, the scripture says he fasted for 40 days, fasted for 40 days um, and 40 nights. And then one of the greatest understatements in the scriptures, it says he was hungry because he wasn't just God, he was also man. Jesus was completely God in spirit and he was completely man in flesh and in soul. And so he was hungry, just like you're hungry, just like I'm hungry, he was hungry. So be encouraged in your hunger that God was hungry too. In fact, one of the things that we do with our kids, we were at, uh, we at Chick-fil-A a couple of weeks ago I think it was probably last Saturday night. Uh, my sister-in-law is a director of Stars Theater Company. And so uh, they're doing an Anne of Green Gables production and they were doing a little promo there at Chick-fil-A. And so my kids really wanted to go. And, and I said, okay, we'll go. Lord, you'll increase my crown. And because uh, when I got a waff of those chicken tenders and those waffle fries, huh? Come on, somebody. I sat in there and then uh, it's so funny. We're sitting in these booths and behind us, this family got these, these, dream, these dream cone things and uh, they were bigger than usual. I don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's cause I'm on the fast, but it's like they tripled in size. I mean, they were like this big, like, and uh, Milan turned around and she said, daddy, I can't stop looking at those ice cream cones. <laughs> I said, I know, me too. And I said, but remember, what do we say? And we've just been training her on this because my daughter is after her mother's heart and she has got a sweet tooth like nobody's business. And so I said, hey, this is what we do. When we find those things that we want, say, Jesus. And she goes, Jesus. Say, man, those ice cream cones look good. So she says, man, those ice cream cones look good. But Jesus, and she'll say, Jesus, I want you more. And so that's what we do. We just say, Lord, all these things look good and they're pleasurable to the flesh, but we want you more. So after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, Jesus was hungry. And then the scripture says that the enemy came and he tempted him. And he says, if you really are the son of God, tell these stones right here. Look at verse three, tell these stones to become bread. If you really are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. One of the things that you could expect during a time of, intense seeking of God, a focused fasting and seeking of God, one of the things that you can expect is you can expect opposition. You can expect the enemy of your soul to resist you and oppose you and even to bring temptation against you. And listen, let me encourage you. I feel like this is for somebody. How many of you have felt some just unusual temptations during the fast? I'm not talking about the temptations to break open the cookie jar. Uh, I'm talking about temptations of the flesh. How many of you guys have experienced that? Absolutely, I know that I have. I've even experienced those, listen, in my dreams. That is, that is, that is God at work. Now, God does not test us. 
But in a time of focused fasting and seeking of God, when those temptations come, I believe that those things are coming at a right time because God is strengthening us in areas that we may have been weak in our flesh and he is empowering us to destroy the power of sin and the power of temptation in our lives. And friends, listen, we ought to believe for victory and we ought to believe that we can overcome the temptation and the lust of the flesh and that God will build something deep inside of us that things that used to hinder us, they'll never hinder us again. In fact, I, I am personally believing for some things that I know that have been in my bloodline for generations. In my, I've got, I've got three lists when I fast. In my journal, I got my, I got, it's called a fasting focus for Jay Duncan. I got a fasting focus for my family and I got a fasting focus for Antioch Church. And in my personal fasting focus, one of the things that I'm just zeroing in on is there are some things that I've struggled with and my father has struggled with and I'm pretty sure that my grandfather has struggled with and I'm here to draw a line and say, Kenya's not gonna struggle with these things and Kingston and Israel are not gonna struggle with these things because I'm gonna fight those things in the power of prayer and fasting and I'm asking you to join me with that. Don't just tolerate the things that have been besetting you and besetting your family for generation after generation. Believe in the power of God to destroy cycles of sin that have held you back for years. I digress. Matthew chapter four, verse four, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a confession time here. Throughout the past 20 years that I've read this and preached this, I've always preached that when the enemy comes that your number one answer needs to be the word and it preaches real good. And I believe that. But as I've just been fasting and praying and seeking the Lord, and I've just been meditating on this verse. In fact, every time I get quiet before the Lord and listening prayer and ask him to speak to me, he brings this verse back up. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds, that flows, that comes out of the mouth of God. I believe that God's been speaking to me. And it's not just that when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, it's not just that when we're empty and dry and weak that we just quote the word. Listen to this. He says, it's on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That word proceed in the definition, one of the metaphors says literally to flow like a river. It's every word that is on the lips of God. It's every word that is fresh on the heart and on the mouth of God. When you think, you know, as, as I read and I just meditate on each and every one of those words, every word that proceeds like a river out of the mouth. And so you've got this concept of breath and the God inspired word of God that's coming. Listen, if we just read the Bible and if we just quote the scriptures and just confess the scriptures without the breath of God on it, without the relational voice of God on it, we're missing something. Are you hearing me today? See, in the midst of your struggle, church, in the midst of your weakness, in the midst of you needing to be sustained, it's not just the written word of God void of the spirit. It is God, you are breathing something fresh and something real and something alive and something prophetic. And you are speaking through the word that you have written. Now, let me just unpack this here for, for a little bit because uh, it's, it's very precursory to where we want to go. Turn with me uh, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. 
We're gonna look at verse one. Hebrews chapter one, verse one, it says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. In the past, God spoke. I like that because one of the things it says to us is that God has always spoken and God is always speaking and God will always speak. In the past, God spoke through the prophets. I like this at many times and in various ways. And so in other words, he's constantly been speaking through a number of different venues. Verse two, but in these last days, he has spoken to us, not just to our forefathers, not just to a mediator, not just to a preacher. He has spoken to us. Somebody say, he has spoken to me. He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Verse three, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The word, word there in Hebrews 1 verse 3 is the same word that's used in Matthew 4, 4. It's called rhema, the uttered word, the spoken word, and some nuances, the inspired word. So I want you to think about this here in Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says that God sustains, the New American translation says God upholds. He's holding up everything. He's holding everything together by the power of what comes out of his mouth. Reminds me of Genesis chapter one, when God was creating the world, what did God do? He spoke. Everything that you see, your world is held together by the word of God. Your world is held together by the word of God. Your marriage, your children, your finances, your healing is held together by the word of God. Colossians 1.17 says that Jesus holds all things together. So here, I want you to think about this. Matthew chapter four, Jesus is being tempted to impress the enemy. He's being tempted to prove himself as a son of God. And his response is, I can't sustain myself. His response is, I am not the source. I am not the strength of life. I cannot uphold myself. His response very simply was, I'm not gonna make, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force my situation to sustain me. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna continue to lean upon God's sustaining hand. See, this was the temptation in the garden that, that Adam failed, quite frankly, because the enemy posed the exact same temptation to Adam as he posed to Jesus. If you really are the son of God, why don't you go ahead and eat that fruit? Did God really say? And truthfully, the enemy was saying, you don't really need to lean on God. You don't need to trust on God. You don't need to rely on God. Why don't you just take this fruit and you'll be just like God and you won't need him. That's exactly what he was doing to Jesus. Are you seeing this? If you really are God, then sustain yourself. And here's what Jesus says. I don't need to sustain myself. I need him to sustain me. I, I need to be listening so intently that what comes out of his mouth, that becomes like food to me. I need to be listening so intently. I need to be so close to his heart. I need to be walking so closely in the garden of the cool of the day. I need to be in his face. I need to be looking at him that when he speaks, it becomes like sustenance in my spirit. That when he speaks, it strengthens my resolve. That when he speaks, my faith is bolstered. Friends, I'm telling you today that man does not live on bread alone. 
Man does not live on his success. Man does not live on his accomplishments. Man does not live on how strong he is. These earthly bodies made of dust, made of clay, they will get weak. They will fall away. And Jesus says, listen, there is something greater that can sustain your life. The word life there, where Jesus says, man shall not live. The word zao, it comes from the word zoe. Man shall not experience strength of life. Man shall not experience abundant life. Man shall not experience the life of God by sustaining himself. We experience the life of God by leaning in and dialing in and intently receiving what comes from the breath of God. Turn with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. Scripture says that all of scripture is God-breathed, all of it. The genealogies are God-breathed. The sacrifices of Leviticus are God-breathed. The dimensions of the tabernacle and temple, they're God-breathed. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter one, we don't have to go there, but in 2 Peter chapter one, it says that prophets of long ago, when they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, they wrote words. And as I think about that, as I meditate upon that, what I deduce from that is every written word was at one point a spoken word that came as life from the mouth of God. The prophet Jeremiah, the prophet Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jonah, all these men of God, as they were writing the word, maybe it came as an inward impression, but it came as a life-giving impression straight from the mouth of God. It was breathed into their spirit. The word breathe there, pneuma in the Greek, ruah in the Hebrew, life-giving breath. Genesis chapter two, when God forms man out of the clay and the dust and the dirt of the earth, it says that he ruah, he breathed into him life, spirit. In the same way that God breathed spirit into that Play-Doh of mankind, God, every time he was speaking to someone and they were capturing those words, every time he was speaking, that breath of life, life-giving breath was coming out of him as those guys were capturing those words. That's why the author of Hebrews 4.12 can say that the word of God is living. It's alive because it came from the breath of God. How many of you guys are still tracking with me today? So one of the things... Wherever, wherever you are in your life, whatever situation you're going through, friends, what you need, you, not, just, not just the letter of a written word, what you need is you need the God-inspired, God-breathed, fresh words from God to come now. What I find is that as I'm diligent to study the word, read the word, let the word read me, one of the things that I try to practice to do is when I read the word, I don't just read it so I can get through it. I read this and I say, God, what are you saying now to me through this? What are you saying now through the book of Judges? What are you saying now in the meditations of the Psalms? What are you saying now in the wisdom of the Proverbs? What are you saying now in the parables of Jesus? What are you saying now? And here, I'm here to tell you, God can speak anything to a heart that is listening. He'll speak to you through the Song of Solomon. He'll speak to you through Revelation. He will speak anything to you through any point of this word when you give him an opportunity to breathe fresh on it into your heart. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 13. How many of you agree, at least conceptually, that God is speaking? 
How many of you agree that God is a God who doesn't just speak to the people who wrote the scriptures? He's a God who is speaking today and he's a God who's speaking now. How many of you would agree by faith? Maybe you're still learning and growing in this, but how many of you would agree by faith? God is a God who speaks to me. I wanna encourage you today, wherever you are on your journey, friend, God is speaking to you. He has a word for you. He has a fresh, now, real, necessary, strategic, timely word for everything that you're going through in your life. Matthew chapter 13, we're gonna begin in verse one. Jesus, it says, the same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore And then he told them many things in a parable saying, a farmer went out to sow a seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Don't always be mesmerized by quick fruit. Don't be mesmerized by superficial, spectacular things. What we want is we want deep roots to produce sustaining fruit. Verse seven, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. 160, 30 times what was sown. Here's a verse we wanna hone in on. He who has ears, let him hear. Some translations say he who has ears to hear. Let him hear. Now, it's one thing to understand that God's always speaking. It's one thing to understand that man does not live on bread alone, but on every living, breathing word that freshly proceeds from the mouth of God. It's one thing to understand that God holds the world together by the word of his mouth. It's another thing altogether to have ears to hear. How many of you have been in situations and maybe you're talking to a friend, you're talking to a coworker and uh, God has given you just insight into their situation. And as you begin to share that insight, you can just see, man, they've, they've closed up shop and went home. They do not want to hear what it is that you have to say. I see this in my kids all the time. <laughs> there, is, there is a reciprocal process that is involved in victory. It is tuning in our ear. God God already has the wisdom that we need. God already has the strategy that we're lacking. God already has the secret that he has the key to unlock every single situation in our lives. What's lacking is do we have ears to hear? Do we have, the, do we have the, the discipline of stillness, the discipline of silence, the discipline of attentiveness, the discipline of a heart that says, God, not only am I listening with my ears, I'm listening with my heart. In this parable, Jesus talks about three different types of hearts and they're all related to hearing, interestingly enough. Let's keep reading, verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and he will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken. And this is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they do not see and though hearing they do not hear or understand. 
It is very possible to sit under the ministry of the word. It is very possible to sit in a counseling meeting week after week after week. I have sat down with some people and counseled them the exact same thing week after week, no change. And why is that? Because what, what, what warrants change, what brings change in a person's life is the ability to condition their heart to hear. To hear. When you finally get to a place where your heart is willing to hear, you'll assume responsibility for the wisdom that you receive. Until you're willing to assume responsibility of change, you're not hearing. Until you and I are willing to hear the hard truth and the hard reality about our lives, until we're willing to let the word of wisdom examine us and not just fight it, refute it, avert it, dodge it, until we're willing to let that word get in us, no matter how difficult it is, we're not hearing. And truthfully, we're not willing to hear. Yesterday, Christy and I were planning out our calendar in uh, there, there's, a, there's a trip. Uh, I'm going to be heading out of town here in April and wanted to make that trip happen with us. And I, I, I've, got, I've got responsibilities the week before that trip and the week after that trip. I was really trying to get her out there with me for a couple of days. And, and um, she said, you know, babe, uh, I want to go. I really want to go. But I don't think this is wise. Time-wise, financially, you're gonna be missing a Sunday. I mean, she just starts going down. And I just felt myself, because I so wanted, because of what I wanted, felt myself just resisting that a little bit, not maliciously, just in my soul, I was looking forward to spending some of that time with her. And she, you know, so I, I said, well, we can change this. And I can, you know, I started coming up with all these different solutions and she'd just come back and she'd say, babe, you know, there'll be another time. I just don't think it's wise. Until you're, you're willing to allow someone's wisdom to confront you and change you, you're not hearing. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And listen, essentially what's missing, listen what Jesus is saying. He's saying, they're gonna be hearing, but they're not really gonna hear and they're not really gonna understand. In them is fulfilled, verse 14, the, prophet, the prophecy of Isaiah, you will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will ever be seeing, but never perceiving. And we've all met people like that, people that just don't get it. And they don't get it because they don't wanna get it. In the end, someone's ability to hear is always attached to their willingness in their heart to receive. Let's keep reading here and let's, let's look just for a second. Uh, verse, six, verse 15, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. See, again, now Jesus is, he's drilling at home. He's saying the reason why they don't hear, they don't hear because their hearts have become calloused. I've had numerous conversations with atheists, Muslims, Buddhists, and, and, I, and I, really, I really try to discern because I don't like debating. I hate religious debates. If I sense that there's an openness of heart, if I sense that there's a, a real honest inquiry, I will spend hours with a person. But if I feel someone just wants to get in there and sword play theologically, I'm out. I just don't have time for people whose hearts really are callous and they wanna try to you know, trip you up theologically. But I've, I've met with so many people who essentially what they wanna do is they're asking questions, not because they're looking for truth, they're asking questions to validate their deception. Be careful, friends, 
When you find yourselves asking questions simply to justify what it is in your heart that you really wanna do. We have to humble ourselves before the powerful word of God. The, the living, breathing words of God, the counsel of God, the direction of God, the strategy of God, it is available. I wanna be very clear today. We're not where we're at for a lack of God's willingness to speak to us. We are where we are at today, every single one of us, for a lack of our ability to humble our hearts and say, God, you can say whatever you want. and I will adjust my life. I will change my mindsets. I will let you break up the fallow ground of my heart and I will listen and I will obey. Let's keep reading here in verse 16. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. One of the things that you'll find when a person really wants to hear is that they'll ask questions. They'll inquire. They'll wanna know more. I've sat down with some young men that I've mentored in the past and it's interesting. I, I'll talk about a certain issue or we'll, we'll be getting on a certain course of things and I'm always marveled that they'll never ask me a question about the real heart of the matter. They'll never ask me a question. What, Jay, Okay, so Jade, what do you really see and what do you really think about what's going on in my heart? It always tells me something. And what it tells me is they really do not want to hear what it is that someone else may see in their lives or about their lives. Blessed are you because your ears hear. Notice that these disciples were coming to Jesus. Tell me more about this. Help me understand this. Unpack this for me. I, I need to know more. I picked up this book by Watchman Nee a few weeks ago. And uh, the title of the book is uh, The Character of the Worker. And the whole premise of the book is, all, is just different character qualities that the Christian worker, the spiritual worker must have. And the thing that fascinated me was the very first chapter was on listening. It fascinated me because it's not what I've read in a lot of the other books relative to spiritual ministry and ministry development and formation. I thought that was so fascinating that the very first thing that Watchmanee wrote in this chapter on the character of the Christian worker is the ability to listen. Listen to God and the ability to listen to man, the ability to be quiet, the ability to still our mouths, the ability, you know, the Proverbs speak so much about the fool being the one who has to air his opinion. You get around someone and all they do is talk, 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 talk. You, you, they, that person must learn the discipline of quiet, silence, listening, hearing. If you're always talking, you're not hearing. John Alley, who was just here in late October, early November, had a great series called Listening Prayer, where he essentially talked about in the church that there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of activity and there's a lot of praise and a lot of songs and there's a lot of prayers, but there's very little listening that goes on and how critical listening is to our formation to our character development, but how critical listening is to the decisions that we make and the direction that we take in life. Friend, if you're in a place right now where you are needing direction here in a minute, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for all of us. Here's what, here's what I so sense in my spirit. I believe that God is speaking to the house. I wanna shift gears here in the next few minutes. And what I wanna do is I, I wanna submit something to you as a body. I believe that God is speaking to Antioch Church. 
I believe that. I believe there are things that he is inviting us to participate and partner with him in 2015. And in fact, we've already begun doing this on a smaller level. Last week with my staff, uh, we sat down and, and compared notes with things that Apostle Dutch spoke, compared notes on things that we heard from, from Becca. And then we just got quiet before the Lord and we just began writing things down that we are hearing God speak. And then we shared those things and we are completing a list. Got together with our life group leaders on Tuesday night. We did the same thing. We got in his presence, uh, just put on some instrumental worship music, quieted our hearts. And, uh, and then I said, for, about, for the next 25 minutes or so, guys, let's just pull out our journals and let's write what we hear God saying to the house for 2015. Everybody wrote something. Somebody got a word. Somebody would get a song. Somebody would get a theme. Somebody would get a verse. Somebody would get pictures. And we just captured all that. I'm gonna add it to the other list. Yesterday morning, get together with about 25 men. By the way, all you guys who got together, thank you so much. I'm so excited what God's doing in the house with our men. Mark your calendars, men. Saturday, February the 7th, we're gonna be getting together again as men. And uh, this time we're gonna have some biscuits and gravy and bacon and sausage and eggs and hash browns. And I'm just gonna keep sharing things. And these guys who are cooking, they're like, every time you say this, you keep adding something to the menu. But uh, we got together and we did the same thing. We got in God's presence, worshiped the Lord. Then we all got quiet, pulled out our journals and we just wrote what we feel like God is saying to Antioch Church, 2015. Wrote it all down, captured it, added it to the other two lists. This week in your life groups, and by the way, if you're not in a life group, I encourage you, if, if you feel like God is calling you to Antioch Church and you would say, what do I do next? I would say, get in a life group, get connected to one of the cells, the life-giving, life-breathing cells of this body. But this week in our life groups, life group two, when we get together, we're gonna do this on Thursday night. All of you life group ones, when you get together, I'm gonna encourage you to do this. Get quiet, write down, what is the word of the Lord for Antioch in 2015. Now here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pull all these words together. And here's, here's what I know will happen. God is gonna to pull together these themes that overlap. It has already begun to happen. Let me encourage you with a couple of them. I believe that this year, I believe this year we will see healing in this body. We must see healing in this body. I've not given up on Lisa. I've not given up on Ralph. I've not given up on Melanie. I've not given up on Coit. I've not given up on the people in this body that must have a healing in their bodies. And I believe, I believe that God is saying, Antioch Church, I'm inviting you. Will you set this before your eyes and will you pray into this and fast into this and believe into this all year long? We're gonna take these prayer points. We're gonna summarize them. I think there's gonna be no more than 10, but for every venue all year long, we're gonna pray into them on Sunday mornings. Our pre-service prayer that takes place at 9.15, we're gonna pray into those prayer points. Generation Church, Nexus, Children's, Missions, Life Groups, Life Group Leaders, we're gonna pray into these things all year long. And I believe at the end of 2015, we're gonna see the miraculous hand of God in the things that he has invited us to pray for. You know, in the Old Testament, the, the model in the Old Testament was Moses would go up to the mountain and he'd be up there for 40 days, 40 nights, and he'd come back and he'd say, thus saith the Lord. In the New Testament, we see much more collaboration because the Holy Spirit lived in God's people. And in Acts 15, they said, the Jerusalem council said, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. This is what God is saying. I believe God wants to speak to Antioch through Antioch. 
I believe that you are sitting on something that God is saying that is necessary and crucial for the direction of this house and for the direction of our faith. And my appeal to you today is, let's all get in on this together. When we put the ownership of somebody else to hear our direction, we can put the ownership ownership on them to execute it. When we put the ownership on us to hear what God is saying to us, then the onus is on us whether or not we fulfill what God has called us to do in this year. And so David's gonna be sending out an e-blast tomorrow and on that e-blast, there's gonna be a link. There will also be a link on our website in the event that you're not on our e-blast distribution list. And on that link will be a place where you can click a button and just write what you feel God is saying to the house for 2015. Sarah, could you come up here for about three minutes? Pull out your journal, pull out your phone, whatever it is. And I wanna just activate this. We believe that man does not live on bread alone. We believe corporately man does not live on programs alone. Man does not live on great preaching alone. He doesn't live on great worship sets alone. Man lives, this church lives on the very words that are being ruad from the mouth of God. That is where our life comes from as a body from the words of God that are proceeding from his mouth that have the fragrance of his breath on them. And I'm asking you right now in these next three minutes, would you just listen? And would you write down whatever it is you hear God saying to Antioch for 2015? says and let him who hears say come we want to be saying what you are saying we want to be saying to our city in 2015 what the spirit is saying to our city we want to be saying to our neighbor and to our mountain and our situation We wanna be saying over our spouse and our children what the Spirit of God is saying in 2015. We wanna be saying as a body, as a people, what the Spirit is saying. And so Jesus, today I'm asking you boldly and unashamedly, would you speak to this body? Would you speak to Betty and Sue and the Schmitz and Jesse? Would you speak to the Darlings? Would you speak to Galen and Keith and the Princes and the Rices? Would you speak to the families? Would you speak to our sons and our daughters? Speak through our children, speak through our youth, speak through our young adults, speak to the elderly. God, speak to every person who considers themselves a family member of this house. We commit this process to you all stand and just bless you guys as we leave the Lord's presence together it's going to be a great great year some of you may not know that um, we had a prophetic word that came to the house the last Sunday of December that said the six months the first six months of the year are very very important months there's a grace there's a window of grace to pursue God like never before and the way that we press into him will determine the rest of our lives And I just choose to agree and say, God, I'm I'm going to press in. 
I'm gonna press in. I'm gonna press in these next six months. I'm gonna climb up on that altar and let you kill everything inside of me that needs to die. The fragrance of your kingdom will be spread throughout my home, my family, this church. And I'm asking you guys, let's climb on that altar. Let's press in, let's cast our vote to seek God. If you're here today and there's sickness in your body, there's distress, there's direction that you need, there's comfort, and you're okay with someone praying for you, just shoot your hand up right now. And all around this room, just put your hand on somebody who's got their hand up, maybe on their shoulder, take their hand right now in the name of Jesus. We just pray, let your glory and your power fall in people's lives today. Father, we are believing for bodies to be healed, memories to be healed, emotions to be healed, mindsets to be healed, adjusted, attitudes and dispositions to be healed and changed, for forgiveness to flow, for life to enter our homes. We speak to every mountain by faith and we say, be thou removed and cast into the sea. We believe for salvation in our households, salvation in our schools, our neighborhoods, our network of relationships, direction to come for those that are making decisions, comfort for those that are in distress, peace to those that are tormented. Today, God, Antioch Church cries out to you and we pray today in the name of Jesus that your hand would mightily touch the people of God in Jesus' name.